Hey, Relay friends, this is Lindsay Hine, and we are sharing an episode that we recorded back in April 2023. This is great evergreen content, and this is with Emily Saul, who is a sports psychologist. Emily has a unique approach to unlocking your athletic fitness and movement potential by dissolving mental barriers, building mental skills and strength, and accessing the powerful connection between your body and mind. Okay, so I recorded this right before the Boston Marathon this spring, and one of the athletes that I coach, Kara Olick, is also on the show, and Emily and Kara pretty much have a one-on-one session about Kara's training and getting ready to run the Boston Marathon. This is applicable to any race you might be about to run. And also, I will say that Kara has been now, since that episode, has now been working with Emily for months, and she has helped her immensely. I hope that you all enjoy this and that you get something out of this conversation between myself, I basically just moderate, and Emily and Kara. All right. Hello, Relay friends. We are so excited to join you today. I have a very special guest, sports psychologist Emily Saul on the show, and one of the athletes I've been coaching for, I think, two two years. It's been a while. Kara Olick, welcome to the show, friends. Thanks. Really glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, okay, so Boston Marathon is this weekend, and I know a lot of people are excited about that, but this conversation will apply to you for any race you're about to run, but... Kara is running Boston this weekend and um, she has worked so hard and I know the mental game has been something we've been working on for a long time but when I had the opportunity to interview Emily I thought let's bring an athlete on the show and discuss together because Emily has knowledge that I can't even like begin to tap into so um, Emily can you give everybody just like a brief background about your sports psychology history? Yeah. Um, well, I, I started out as an athlete myself. I was um, really active as a kid. Um, I didn't do a lot of traditional sports, um, like organized sports, but um, I think that was a big part of why um, I eventually became interested in sports psychology because I, I understood just from a, a life perspective how important movement was in the learning about myself and learning and development of, of life. So um, as I uh, got into college, I was a walk-on athlete at a Division One school and um, was a rower for four years um, and uh, earned a scholarship there. And in that time, I really... Um, I really discovered that, uh, one, I believe that um, everyone's life would be better if they played a team sport. (laughs) Um, But I found that I got as much of an education from my athletics as I did from my academics. And um, so when I had the opportunity, I I studied um, psychology undergrad. And so I pursued a graduate degree in in sports psychology. And I'm also a licensed mental health counselor. So I have the clinical uh, background um, of psychology as well as the specialty in sports psychology. Psychology, um, and uh, and so I've been uh, working with um, with athletes uh, in a private practice for the last um, five or so years. But I've spent the last two decades working with people through movement, um, really about just development of of self. Um, so in a variety of different contexts. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Kara, this is your second Boston Marathon. Is this yes. your eighth marathon? Uh, maybe twelve or thirteen. Oh, 12 or 13. Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
So tell us right now, and, and also Kara is a third grade teacher. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to get that wrong. In the email, I was like, is it third or fifth? Third or fifth? Okay. So Kara's a fifth grade teacher. And she's sitting in her car. She's literally going to class in just a few minutes. Um, tell us what, like, it before a marathon, what do you most struggle with mentally? Uh, so mentally is just being able to finish. Like, I think about being able to finish the twenty six. Um, I do have a sensitive stomach. So if Mm. I know if my stomach starts to tweak or like if my stomach's off during the week, I will worry about that for a while. And I have a hard time pushing through that. So it really is the nutrition and the hydration leading up because of my stomach. Mm. Yeah. Um, And Lindsay, are you cool if I just jump in? Yeah, jump in. (laughs) All right. So, um, so Carrie, you said 12 or 13 as, as number of marathons that you run? Correct. Okay. And so does that feel for you, does that feel like enough evidence that you are capable of finishing a marathon? Yes. Okay. So I would just like start out by inviting you to look at the evidence that already exists that you, you actually can feel confident in your ability to finish a marathon. Um, even if it's not, feeling perfect, even if your stomach maybe isn't great, or even if there are challenges that come up. Um, what what we tend to do is, um, in, in our minds, we tend to sort of calculate what are the challenges that may be upcoming. Um, and that's, a, that's a, a protective mechanism that our brains do, that everybody's brain does. We're always um, supposed to, that survival part of our brain is always supposed to be navigating what's upcoming and how do I allocate my resources, as in my energy, which sometimes comes down to like <laughs> calories and you know physical activity, but how do I allocate my resources in the best interest of surviving? Okay, so that's what our body is always going to do, um, but it's it's always also going to err on the side of caution. It's always going to try to like make sure that you've got enough in reserve to be able to survive it. Um, and so that voice, that kind of um, message or contemplation that often happens under our consciousness, um, it, it's louder. It tends to be louder than the like the evidence that's already there. So one of the things that, especially as we're getting so close to Marathon Monday, um, that that you can can do just as a very concrete practice is when you find yourself um, coming to those thoughts of worry around, oh, what if my stomach gets upset? What if it's not, you know, it doesn't feel quite right? What if I can't finish? Simply notice that you're having that thought again, right? Just label it as like, oh, that's my brain trying to protect me from the future and choose to bring your attention to all of the evidence that says you absolutely are a person who is able to finish. You have so many examples of that. It's like pretty undeniable. Um, and there's there's always going to be variation in how those races feel and how it goes because there's variation in the course, there's variation in the weather, there's variation in your training. Um, even if this is your second Boston Marathon, um, it's I I always say this is the first time you're running Boston this year um, <laughs> because because Boston in particular is very very much just a different course every single uh, it, the course is the same but the experience is different because of the weather and everything else. Um, 
So um, how does that sound to you in, in, in terms of just a, a response to that thought rather than just having the what ifs and the worries sort of un, untamed? Yeah, no, I like that better because I tend to linger. So if once I think about it, I linger. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. do need a cue to get me to change my thought to the positive versus okay. leaning on that negative. Great. Great. Um, it's also helpful just to understand um, a, a little bit of the, the science behind how our brains work, um, because once we understand it, rather than it feeling like it's just happening to us, we can begin to have a little bit more of a sense of influence over what's happening to us or how we perceive it. Um, so um, in that vein, um, when you when you speak about having GI issues or you know sometimes just having like a, a sensitive stomach or feeling like it gets upset, especially during race day, um, the the amount of um, sympathetic nervous system activation that you have going on in your body is going to influence how your stomach feels. Okay, so if say today, which is Thursday, you have a little bit of something in your tummy and you're like, oh, and you focus on that and, and perceive it as, oh no, if I'm feeling this today, I'm probably gonna be feeling this tomorrow or the next day and definitely on Monday, right? That is an activation of your, it, that thought can activate your sympathetic nervous system, which starts to prevent your um, typical management of your digestive system from functioning the way that it does at its best. Okay. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Because, and I, I want to intercept too, because Kara has been working with a sports dietitian for mm -hmm. a couple of years now. So like she is like dialing this in. Hard. Yeah. Like awesome. She's been working on this for a lot of marathons. Yeah. I, I wonder how like how how many people is this affecting like we all talk about like gi issues but like mm -hmm. we all also know that like before a race how many times do you go to the bathroom like you know what i mean this yeah. is not a normal bathroom morning because we're nervous right. yeah so, like how much can that affect the entirety of the race just the um, nervousness well i i would say it it certainly has the potential to affect the the whole race but I want to say that with a little bit of caution. It's not like, oh my gosh, if you feel the slightest bit nervous, then like you're screwed in terms of your like GI experience. It's it's not like that. Um, but when it comes down to like the most basics of how that stress response system works, that's our sympathetic nervous system um, activating in, in response to a perceived or real threat. Um, there's a reason that we say like, I got so scared. I like peed my pants or like, I, I thought I was going to, you know, whatever, go to the bathroom um, in those kinds of like scary moments, because that is actually a common result of an extreme stressor. Like if I were to get incredibly terrified, I might actually poop my pants. And so because and this, this sounds really sort of simple or, or silly when I try to explain it, but um, essentially your that stress response system is trying to make it absolutely as easy as possible to fight or flee. And if I release anything extra in my body, I got less that I have to carry around with me to get away. Mm. It's totally a survival system kind of thing. 
Okay. So when, and, and that is, that's helpful. So when I was in college and we would have rowing races early in the morning and I, I would be like, why am I going to the porta potty for the fourth time? Um, what I started to do was, uh, I shifted how I interpreted that information. So rather than going, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me that I'm going to the bathroom for the fourth time, I would say, if I've gone at least three times, then I know I'm ready. Because guess what happened every single time? I went at least three times before a race. And, and so I could use what was already happening actually to give me a very different message. Because if, if I can experience that as, oh, this is a sign of me being ready. Well, guess what happens to my nervous system? It quiets down. It starts to feel reassured. Oh, right. I'm good. Whereas if I interpret that as, oh, no, something's wrong with me, I activate that sympathetic nervous system. I activate that sense of fear. And my body is going to go more into a state of fear or protection from the very thing I'm trying to go do. So I want to build my experience, especially in my mind, pre-race, both days ahead and moments ahead, that lead me to be more in a state, a, a nervous system state, but also a conscious mind state of feeling curious, open, excited, eager, like sort of building in that trajectory. I don't have to be like amped out of my mind, but I do want to be open. I want to be curious about what this experience has to hold for me or what it has to teach me or what's possible. But it's not going to be as helpful for me to be in a state of fear or tremendous worry or worry that just sort of spirals or that you kind of linger on um, because those don't really prompt us to do anything besides try to protect ourselves or remove ourselves from the situation. Carrie, wow, this yeah, it's applicable well, to like so much. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So, so it's it, what you're saying exactly what happened at CIM. So I yeah. ran CIM in December and at mile six, I felt my stomach. So it's all I can mm -hmm. focus on. Like I literally right. called Lindsay at mile nine saying it's oh, not working. Yeah. My stomach's not off. And so she got a hold yeah. of my dietitian. And, but this is exactly what happened. I focused on it and I just spiraled and it was a yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's think about that. Cause I, I'm going to guess that you've, you've contemplated what if that exact thing happens again on Monday, just guessing. <laughs> um, so in that moment, let's just, let's just say, let's say right at mile six, the exact same thing happens, or maybe it's mile seven or five. Um, but if you were to have that, that, that same experience, um, one of the things that, again, is just it's a really simple shift in a tactic. And there's more that we could talk about if we had you know, more time and um, we're going to dive into it. But a simple tactic in that moment is, one, acknowledge what you're feeling, right? You can acknowledge the sensation, but you can categorize it in your mind more as a sensation. Oh, I, I notice something, right? I have uh, there, you're actually getting through your sensory system. Um, just there's either uh, movement or there's feeling or there's noise or whatever, but it's not inherently good or bad. Okay. That is in this moment, that's your body doing it its best, right? It's best attempt to navigate the challenge that you are working on. So you can acknowledge it. 
You do not have to label it as a good or bad thing. And then simply bring your attention to any other part of your body that has power, that has strength, that feels like it's working, that is like feeling good. Okay, and so you might be able to tune your attention, your conscious attention into um, your feet, like moving on the ground and the cadence of your steps and just noticing that every step you take is moving you forward. Right, so that the, the rhythm can be kind of soothing. Um, the, the noticing the forward progress, that's, a, that's also a signal of like, you are doing this, even if stuff doesn't feel great, there's also stuff that is helping. Um, you might notice your legs and how powerful they are. You might tune into like your hips and how they can move and drive your legs. Sometimes if other parts aren't like some of those kind of typical parts may also feel like, oh, my legs are heavy today. Well, go check in with your elbows, see how your elbows are doing, right? I like to think about how when you swing your arm, if you if I were to look at you from the side, your elbow makes this beautiful happy face, right? This little like happy elbows just swinging along or checking with your earlobes or your nose. Most of the time in running, they are fine. And then you can have something to bring your attention to just to be like, well, that part's doing it. That part's doing it. That part's doing it. And a lot of the effort within a marathon is going to be um, about where you place your attention on purpose. And then when other stuff grabs your attention, where do you return your attention back to? Okay. So sometimes by bringing your attention to somewhere that feels good or actually feels effective or is feeling strong or powerful, those parts that had been making some noise have an opportunity to just settle a little bit or kind of quiet because you're now giving your whole system different signals of like parts of this is good. And that's just helpful in the, in the ratio of things. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I, I have a question. Yeah. Something I have struggled with when, when I was racing, um, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people struggle with, and even pros I've talked to, is this thought that like, okay, I know what I'm capable of, mm -hmm. but what if I choose to give up? And I don't mean quit the race. Mm -hmm. I mean, I choose to not push as hard as I can. Yeah. And what do we and, do with those thoughts? Well, for you, what's what's scarier? What's challenging about those thoughts? Well, because it makes it would make me really upset with myself to know, mm -hmm. oh, you could have shaved a minute off there if you would have like bucked up and like worked a little bit harder at mile 23 okay. when you were feeling so sorry for yourself that it hurt so bad. Yep. Um, and so there, there's this sense of kind of regret afterwards. Of, yeah. Like, I, oh, I knew I, I had more in me. Okay. And so where's the, where's the point you're looking to intervene? Is it like being kinder and more compassionate to yourself afterwards? Or is it more like at mile 23, when you're starting to feel sorry for yourself, how do you just not feel sorry? <laughs> yeah. Like I want to be, I, I want to know that like I put it all out there and I want to know that yeah. like I was mentally strong when mm -hmm. I wanted to quit because I was in agony because it hurt so bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the funny things about uh, uh, about running and and most most stages of really competitive or elite sport is that we're actually trying to um, 
<laughs> we're trying to intervene or override these very important biologically driven protective systems that we have. Um, so there's a reason that your body is screaming at you and saying, stop, please, just like no more of this, right? The pain is one of those um, signals that leads really close to like actual damage or threat or harm to us. Um, and if our if our brain is first and foremost um, designed to help us survive and to protect us from harm, then to to run literally headlong into pain is completely counterintuitive. It's it's opposite everything that we're we're wired to do. So um, I say that because sometimes it actually is helpful to just remember the feelings that I have, like those big signals of like, stop, please. That's not a failure on your part to be mentally strong. That's exactly what your brain is supposed to be doing, right? We've, we have the luxury energetically and, and in our lives to be able to race or to compete in athletics and to push ourselves to this physical extreme because we're not actually threatened life or death every day just for basic survival, right? Mm -hmm. So first, just to be able to acknowledge, okay, there's a good and real reason why my brain is telling me that. And by labeling that, you are consciously creating just a tiny bit of distance between that sensation of, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming and I absolutely can't do it anymore, and the observation of it. You're creating a, a little bit of like psychic distance. Um, and from there, when you have even a little bit of distance, you then have the ability with more of your conscious mind than just being driven by your, your survival brain um, to make a decision to to tune back into what is really important to me. And that's where with a lot of the athletes that I work with, um, building toward a race, having a really strong race plan, having a really strong sense of what does this race mean to you? Um, and so for you, Kara, to think about what's what's meaningful, what's important about this race, and that there may be a time at the end, there, there will be a time for everyone um, at the finish line, but the time may be something that's important to you, but I encourage you to think in addition to that, what else just matters to you? What's important for you in terms of the quality, the experience, your own values as a person that you bring to this race? Because it's you running this race. It's not the race running you. Um, and so if you have the ability in that moment to go, my God, this hurts so, so, so much, but consistency is the thing that I like that is most important for me in this race or um, trusting myself. I, I just ran the Paris Marathon and that was that was my like return to kind of core principle for that race is I really wanted to trust myself in the training that I had done in my lifetime of athletic <laughs> ability um, and that I really didn't want to worry about something that was going to happen later if, if I could stay in this moment and trust what I'm actually doing um, and operate out of a sense of, of 
trust and, and belief rather than um, out of a, a place of, of fear for what's happening later. Um, so it would be having a clear sense of your values and what's meaningful to you. Um, it's about creating just a little bit of distance between the, the physical sensation and your ability to observe that sensation like, yep, I'm feeling pain and discomfort and I'm still alive and I'm still running and what do I want this experience to be about? So returning back to those, we we can do just about anything for the right reasons. And right by right, I mean the ones that are that are true to us, that are meaningful for us. And if those are clear, it, it becomes not exactly easy to keep doing it, but it becomes much easier to make that choice um, than if we are just like, time schmime, like I don't care anymore. This just hurts and I don't want to do it. Kara, I know you have to go to school soon. So, and I want to give you the opportunity to ask one more question before you do have to go. Yeah. Um, I really want to say, okay. So the weather, that was another thing at CIM because it was like raining all weekend. There's predicted rain, but I had in my head the weather in CIM, but come to start the race. I did. I wasn't phased by any rain at all while I was running, but it was already in my head. Yeah. Right. I love I love that you said that because there like there is nothing more influential <laughs> on Boston than the weather. It's literally determined like I ran it in the hot year and then someone ran it in the monsoon year and um okay, so th this is how I frame it. Take it or leave it. Um when we conceptualize that we are going to run a marathon, typically the 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 abstract big picture is that means that you're going to test how fast you can run 26.2 miles but the idea of it happens abstractly it almost happens like in a vacuum or a laboratory like as if there will just be optimal conditions on a perfect course and i'm going to feel perfectly and then i'm going to see how fast i can run 26.2 well that's not real that is like that's an idea but the, the actual thing that you are testing on any particular marathon, Boston or otherwise, is you are testing how fast you can run 26.2 miles, if the time even matters to you, but that's generally what we're testing. Um, and you're testing how fast you can do that in the conditions on that day, given the training that you have. It's always contextual. So I, I just saw someone this morning at the track and he said, I, you know, I had like two months of being sick in the training um, block for this. And I was like, okay, so then what you're testing on Monday is how you do running this marathon on this course with two months of having been sick in your training block. That's not going to be the same as any other marathon you've done. And that is, again is why I say you are you're you're racing Boston for the first time like it's the first time this year so if you can kind of bring into your realm of acceptance like what is true is there will be weather on that day period there will be weather it'll be a temperature there'll be some precipitation or not or wind or not though there will be those conditions and all you're doing on Monday is seeing what you can do in those conditions. That's it. And so if if then the weather happens and you're just like, oh, well, there's the weather I knew was going to happen. You didn't know which weather, but you knew there'd be weather. So again, you're able to experience it from a place of like 
expectability. And then you can kind of be curious, well, I wonder how I'm going to run with this kind of weather rather than, oh, it can't be this weather because then I'll do poor. Like, no, you're going to do the best you can. Does that make Kara, sense? Kara, that's, so, that's yeah. so relevant to your hamstring issue we've been having too when you brought up the guy being sick because – Kara's had this like ongoing hamstring thing. She had to take some time off. She's been in yeah. PT. And so yep. this is totally different than any other cycle we've done. That's right. That's right. So it, it actually gives you permission to let go of some of the expectations of I'm supposed to do it just like that. It's already just not like that. Mm-hmm. So let it be, let it with curiosity, let it be what it can be. Let it be what it is. And like, just be open to what that has to offer in terms of an experience, in terms of what it has to teach you, in terms of how you're gonna grow and change as as a result of it. And in terms of how this piece, this finite experience of this marathon is gonna just add to your much more infinite practice of running over your lifetime. Yeah. Thank you. Right, this last, this last, has definitely been a game changer. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, this has been amazing. And and Emily, can you just sign us off with like last piece of advice to anybody wanting to be mentally strong or however you want to say it this weekend yeah. or next weekend or the weekend after that? Well, these are these are really uh really broad statements, but I will say um, the the two things I think are really at the core of ever um, performing to your potential is really about defining success in a way that's meaningful and purposeful for you and operating from a state of curiosity rather than fear. And um, again, please take from that what you will. And if that is something that you want to understand more individually, like then doing some work in sports psychology is certainly helpful for you as an, as an athlete. Thank you both. Good luck, Kara. Thank you. Have have so much fun. I'll be cheering for you on the course. Appreciate it.